Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Today I want to talk about the habits of a hungry believer. The habits of a hungry believer. There's actually a syndrome called Praetor Willie. If you've ever heard of this, with this particular syndrome, the person that has it always feels hungry. No matter how much they eat, they always feel hungry. There's never a time when they feel full. And if you are raising teenage boys, you've gotten to witness this a little bit in your life. Like you know what it's like when somebody just doesn't stop eating ever. But could you imagine that? Never feeling full. I read an article of a guy who over the course of his lifetime has eaten 32,000 Big Macs. 32,000 Big Macs. And in the interview, he said, and I can always, I'm always ready to eat one more. I'm always ready to eat one more. Just thinking about that makes me sick to my stomach. Like, I don't want to eat one Big Mac. I don't want none of that. But he's always hungry. Reminds me of when if you drive west, on 40, you see a big billboard for this restaurant in Texas where they've got a 72-ounce steak. They advertise this. It's famous. Like, if you can go, if one person can go, if they can eat that entire 72-ounce steak all by themselves, then everybody that came with them, their meal is free. It's paid for. Okay? But let me ask you, how many of y'all, is anybody in this room ever, ever eaten that steak? Anybody in this room ever eaten 72-ounce of steak? That just proves that every person that has tried died, okay? <laughs> because that's, that's ridiculous. Like they, they know people aren't gonna be able to finish that much, right? That's why they advertise it. But you're gonna have to be pretty hungry. Last week, we started talking about vision. One of the points I mentioned was this. We see a church with an insatiable hunger to grow. An insatiable hunger to grow. Today, we're all about that. How are we gonna grow? The truth is this. I wish that there were more of us that had a bit of a Prater Willie syndrome when it came to our spiritual lives. I'm never full. I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. I spoke in Mexico many years ago. And when we would go to Mexico, we would travel thousands of miles and go to all these churches all over the place. And a lot of times when we show up at a church and do a service, we had these dramas that we prepared and we had some students with us and they'd share their testimony, and they would transition these things. And a lot of times they might ask me to come up and speak for a few minutes. But typically, the portion of the service we did was just the dramas and, and all that. And so we got this one church, and I went up to the pastor, and I said, you know, how, how long would you like us to, you know, we can do a short as long as you want to with the dramas and all that kind of stuff. And he says, oh, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 minutes of all that. I'm like, okay, that's great. And he's like, and how long are you going to preach? And I said, well, I, I mean, I'll preach a little bit. I can, I'll, I'll preach. He's like, I want you to preach for three hours. And I don't know if it was just pride in me, but I didn't say, sir, I can't preach for three hours. And some of y'all are thinking right now, big boy, you can preach for three hours because you go long here all the time, okay? But here's the thing, like at that point, I wasn't a senior pastor. I hadn't preached that many messages. And so 
immediately my brain is just going crazy because I'm thinking about every little five-minute devotional that I've ever scratched on some paper. You know, I'm thinking like, well, I, and, and here's the thing. So I did. I preached for three hours straight. I preached on every biblical principle that I could possibly think of. There was nothing that connected together. There were 47 different points, and you just couldn't, like, you couldn't, it, it just didn't make sense. I, I, well, I didn't preach good at all, but here's the thing. Every person in that room paid attention the entire time. The whole time, they're taking notes from the translator. The whole time, they're leaning in because they were so hungry for the things of God. And they didn't care if the sermon was good or not. They knew they could learn something. And they were leaned in, hungry for the things of God. A few years later, I was in South Africa. And we were at this church in Soweto, South Africa. This is a slum city outside of Joburg. And it's some of the poorest people you've ever seen in your life. And we're in this little dirt floor, tin roof church, about seven foot ceilings, trash for walls, dust flying everywhere, over a hundred degrees in there. It was Easter Sunday. I tell you, they go off on Easter Sunday. And other than maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half for a break, outside to eat lunch, right outside that little shack. Other than that, we had church for 12 hours straight from eight in the morning to eight at night. I'll tell you, I was tired physically. But man, I got filled up. But they were just hungry. I will say a key and common factor that I've seen in places like that the reason why they're never full spiritually is because they don't have anything else. God is their everything. So they spend a lot of time with him. I want us to have that kind of hunger and I believe and I'm beginning to see the spirit of God move in such a way in the people of our church that we will be that hungry for the things of God. I believe that. Last week we talked about how hunger is contagious. Like it triggers others to be hungry too. If you get hungry for more of Jesus, that hunger will begin to spread to other people around you. It will. In Acts 2, it says that they met daily. They were so hungry for God, for more of God, that they couldn't imagine going more than two days without being together. Without some spiritual food. I want to talk about some things that happen if you don't grow in your relationship with Jesus. What happens if I don't grow in my relationship with Jesus? First of all, I'm going backwards. I'm going backwards. Because relationships, and especially your relationship with God, it's like a water puddle. It is either growing or it is evaporating, but it's not gonna stay the same. You're either getting more filled up and you're expanding and growing, or you're evaporating. I'm gonna get tossed if I'm not growing. I'm gonna get tossed. Ephesians 4.14 says this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Anybody seen any of that in our culture these days? Instead, speaking the truth in love. That's important. 
We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Mature, man. I remember when I was little, around middle school, junior high, I was skinny. I was little. I was so skinny. I turned sideways, stick out my tongue. I looked like a zipper. I was that kind of skinny. But I always had a little bit of a big head, didn't I, Mama? I have a little bit of a big head. So it was a little bit like a, like a kiwi on a toothpick running around. There was nothing intimidating about me physically, that's for sure. Like if we were going to play Red Rover, I would be one of the first people they would call their name because he's like, they ain't breaking it. In fact, if there's a strong wind on his way over, he ain't even going to make it. He's just going to blow away. There wasn't a lot that was intimidating about me physically. You have to know this. No matter what you look like physically or what you feel like in the natural, God has created you to be a supernatural spiritual force for his kingdom. Every one of you, he's created you for that. He's created you that when you are submitted under the authority of Jesus, when you have made him Lord of your life, that you are standing on the word of God as your standard, uncompromising, filled up with the Holy Spirit, that every day your head comes off the pillow, the devil says, uh-oh, they're up. Uh-oh, they're up. And that he knows that if he ever calls on your name to pick a fight, that by the grace of God, and not because of you, but because of he that is in you that is greater in the world, that if he picks a fight with you, there's gonna be some things getting broken in hell. There's gonna be some things that are gonna get bound up and cast down because of who he's called you to be. But that doesn't happen if you're not growing. If you're not growing, you get tossed. You have no impact. That's not who God's called you to be though. He's called you to be a supernatural force for his kingdom. If I don't grow in Christ, I'm gonna have to borrow someone else's spiritual growth. You'll constantly be renting someone else's anointing, someone else's word, someone else's spiritual power, someone else's spiritual strength, wisdom, instead of walking in your own. And it's okay for you to spend some time listening to some podcasts, listening to some other preachers and that kind of thing, but God's got a word for you that you need to get filled up with. And if you're constantly borrowing somebody else's relationship, then you don't really have a relationship and the enemy will eat your lunch. And you will have a tendency to also be vulnerable. If you don't grow in Christ, I begin to live vulnerable. I read that Coach Gus Malzahn, he was one of the first college coaches that ever started implementing a no-huddle offense in college ball. It's been around for a while in the NFL, but he was one of the first college coaches to do that. And when he would do that, obviously the other team's defense would be oxygen deprived. So they had no time to coordinate, no time to think, no time to sub, no time to catch their breath. And as a result, they won a national championship against the great, all-powerful tide, like the laundry detergent. You have to know this. 
Satan has been running a no-huddled offense against you and against the body of Christ since the beginning of time. And if you don't get your spiritual oxygen every single day, you're gonna fall into sin and get run off the field. If you're not growing, you're vulnerable. The enemy can get you. But what happens if I do grow in my relationship with Jesus? Well, you're gonna live with some vision and passion. You're gonna live with deep convictions that'll help keep your innocence protect your character. You're gonna create fruit around you, eternal, spiritual fruit. And last, you're gonna win. And some of you might say that last one, man, what does that mean? That sounds kind of prideful. No, God has created a prize for you to win that is eternal. He has created something for you before the foundation of the earth and before you draw a breath of life. He created something for you, for you to lay hold of, to win for his glory for eternity. What are the habits of a growing believer? What are the habits of a growing believer? A couple scriptures, 1 Corinthians 9.25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. 1 Timothy 4.7, the second part of that verse. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Well, I mean, we're probably pretty familiar with the habits of a successful athlete. There's some disciplines there, right? They gotta be aware of their diet, their hydration, their workouts, their mental preparation, and it comes at a sacrifice for what? A trophy or a medal that will burn up when Jesus returns. They don't get to, we don't, none of us get to take those to heaven. What has he prepared for us in the spiritual though? We gotta get ready for that. Whenever any of us try to start back at working out, okay? Like a lot of us have set New Year's resolutions. You know, I'm gonna get back in the gym. I gotta get a bit healthy. But anytime we do that, a lot of times it's been weeks, months, decades, some of us, like our whole lives, we haven't done that. Well, when you first get back into it, it's tough. And what I find is when I've done that, like we had a long summer, I was traveling around a lot. We weren't able, I wasn't able to work out as much. So I got back and I'm like, all right, I gotta get back in the gym. But I find that as soon as I get back in the gym, I start negotiating with myself. Like, man, I don't know, my hamstring's kind of tight. Ooh, all right, well, I'm probably not gonna do legs today. <laughs> don't wanna injure myself. Might go do a little upper body. I don't know, though, the other night, like, I, I didn't sleep on the right pillow, you know, kind of felt like I got hit by a truck when I woke up in the morning. So it happens when you're midlife. Man, maybe I'll just, I don't know, maybe I'll walk on the treadmill a little bit. I don't want to ease into this. But man, that Trente sugar drink that I got from Starbucks just isn't sitting right today. I'm just not feeling it. Maybe I'll try tomorrow. You'll negotiate with yourself. If you want to win, if you want to grow, you're going to have to have a strong mindset around the spiritual disciplines in your life. You're going to have to decide that there are some things that I will not negotiate about. One thing is I don't negotiate with my time in the word and prayer. I don't negotiate. Have you heard the phrase, pain is weakness leaving the body, all right? If you're military, 
Some drill sergeant yelled that at you at one point or another. I'm just guaranteeing you that. Or some gym, gym coach has told you that. You've probably heard that phrase. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to your spiritual life, that awkwardness in prayer, when you don't know what to say, you're not sure how to pray. You get through your five lists, five items on your list, and you're like, well, not sure what to say now. Or you struggle with boredom or distraction. Or maybe it's confusion or questions around reading the word. All those things. What those things are, it is just spiritual weakness leaving your soul. You've got to stay at it and not give up. All of us, myself included, will face those times and those seasons. I don't face them very much anymore because because I'm not gonna negotiate on my time. I don't always have the same time and I don't always have the same quality of time that I wanna have, but I will have that time every day, every day. One way or another, it's gonna happen. But here's the thing, if you are gonna run a marathon, like say you signed up for the Little Rock Marathon, so you knew you gotta start training for this. Maybe you don't run that much or maybe you never really run at all. You're gonna start training. I would strongly encourage you not to go out your first day to start preparing for that marathon trying to run five miles. Don't do it. You're gonna get discouraged. And you're gonna be really, really sore for a really long time. Before you know it, you will negotiate your way out. It's like, that was just five miles. I think a marathon's like, twice that much, and you won't want to do it. You'll get discouraged. You'll shut that idea down. Don't do it. If you were going to train, you'd go out and you'd start small. You might just do a little run walk for a while, maybe just do a mile. You got to start building that muscle. It's not used to it. Your lungs aren't used to it. Your heart's not used to it. It's going to take some time, but you just got to start somewhere. And in your spiritual walk, it is not the quantity that God is looking for. He's just looking for more of your heart and more of it every day. So you give him what you can. If that's five, 10 minutes to start with, you start with that five, 10 minutes, but you do not negotiate on it. You're gonna give that and you're gonna give it with all of your heart because as you do that, you will taste and see that the presence of God is good and you will want more of it. And before you know it, you'll be able to build into your day good, strong, quality time where you can grow, where you can get what you need in his presence. But you can't negotiate on it. You can't negotiate on it. It says in the word in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves themselves. It wasn't the apostles. It wasn't a bunch of people constantly trying to provoke this in them. They had a conviction. This church and this service can only take you so far in your walk. At one point or another, you're going to have to learn how to self-feed. At one point or another, look, if you're saved now, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, now is the time for you to start taking personal responsibility for your own growth. And it says the early church, they 
devoted themselves. This is a solemn, non-negotiable commitment. The word devoted means they unnaturally, earnestly persevered. In other words, there was a habit there that they had to create that wasn't there before. It took some time, but they weren't gonna compromise on it. I wanna show you a picture. It's a picture I, uh, I took a few years ago on a missions trip to Nepal. So if you can't see, those are flip-flops, sandals, okay? And you can't even see them all because they went around the other corner of that building. That building on the right is a church sanctuary. It's just a big open room. There's no Sunday school rooms. It's just a big open room. And inside of that room, this is at 5 a.m. in the morning. Inside of that room, Monday through Friday, the people of that church gather and pray from five to six, Monday through Friday. When you walk into that room, more than 60% of the people that are there are children, kids that walked, rode a bike there. Before they were gonna go to school, they stop there and they go and pray. They go and seek the Lord. There's no AC in there. They're not able to change the lights. There isn't worship. You just walk into a room filled with the prayers and supplications of people desperate for God. And I asked the pastor, he's over hundreds of churches all over Nepal and in India. I said, okay, so this is all the time? He looked at me like I was dumb. He's like, yes, of course it's all the time. I'm like, wait, isn't this like you're, you're gonna start the year in prayer and fasting week? That's why you're doing it? He's like, no, no, it's, it's all the time. And I'm like, well, you have to cancel sometimes, right? Like he, something comes up, you're like, he's like, no, we've never canceled. What? To cancel prayer would be like canceling our life. It's everything. We have to have God. Now I know that the context may be different culturally, but the hunger shouldn't be. The desire shouldn't be. And what I will say is I'm very thankful this week we, we wrapped up a week of praying just like we do every year leading into the school year. We didn't have a lot of people here, but those group of people were here every day. It didn't change. It stayed the same size every day throughout the week. And I believe God is moving. I believe that I was gonna be a catalyst where we're gonna have more and more people that are hungry for consistency, where they are not gonna negotiate when it comes to their time in prayer, their time of seeking the Lord as a body of believers. In John 3.16 or Joel, not John, Joel. Joel 3.16, it says this, the Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem and the earth and the heavens will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. I love this verse. If you've ever watched very much National Ge Geographic or whatever, when a lion roars, everything else shuts up because they're the king. They're literally the king of the jungle. Everything fears that sound. Everything fears that sound. When I was in South Africa, we had a couple of days. We got to go and do a couple of tourist things. We went on a, a huge game reserve down there. And 
you know, every kind of creature you can imagine. We got to see the, the big five. We got to see elephants and rhinoceros. And, and uh, there's a huge uh, migration of pelicans uh, or pink flamingos that come through. There millions of pink flamingos. It's loud. There's, there's all these birds. There's all these creatures. There's bugs everywhere. It's loud. Well, we stayed on that game reserve one night. And I was inside. We were finishing up dinner. And I walked outside. And when I walked outside, it was so quiet like weird quiet. And I went to one of the guys that was our guide and I said, man, why is it so quiet? He's like, just a few minutes ago, a lion roared. A lion roared a few minutes ago. I was like, whoa. He's like, it's what happens when they roar. I said, so you heard a lion roar? He's like, yeah. I was like, does that mean it's close? <laughs> He's like, well, it's probably a couple miles away. I said, okay, right. He's like, don't worry, don't have fear. Uh, a lion hasn't been able to get, around, get over the fences here for at least a couple of months. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> a couple of months then, that's good. Here's what you have to know when it comes to your word. When you get into the Bible, there may be a season where it feels like a discipline. There even might be a season where you feel like it's, a devotion, like I, I'm trying to create this habit. But one day, one day, you're gonna open the word of God and you're gonna hear God roar. And when that happens, everything else in your life is gonna shut up. And all the stress and all the frustration and all the doubt and all the fear is gonna go away. And you're just gonna start smiling because you realize your Abba Father is up and he just spoke. And because you've been spending time in the word, you knew it and you heard it and you owned it and you lived it and you declared it. And all the noise of hell will shut up in your life. But you cannot compromise and you can't negotiate staying in the word, staying in prayer. Two, I don't negotiate with my large crowd or my small, small crowd. What that means is I don't negotiate on Saturday if I'm going to church on Sunday. I don't negotiate. And I don't negotiate around my life group. I'm going. Even if three weird people join, I'm still going to go. Acts 2.46, I've already mentioned a part of this. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. It's easy to just read that or read on past it. This is a big deal, people. The temple courts, the temple courts, that place is still run by the Jews. It is still run by people who hate Christ. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy. But they knew how important it was to gather. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't air conditioned. It wasn't any of the things that we have but they were just committed that they knew they had to gather. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what you see in the church is you see there's two places that they're meeting. There's two crowds that every one of them had. They had the temple courts. They had a large crowd. This is where the believers all got together. 
And then they had their small crowd. They met in people's homes together. Their neighbors, the people that they were going to live life with, they had those crowds. Every one of them. They didn't have a choice. They knew that if they didn't have that, they were done. And I'm just telling you, whether you realize it or not, if you don't have it, you're done. Because God created you to be connected to the body of Christ. And you may be the most introverted person in this room. Like, I could care less. I don't even want to be here right now. My spouse made me come. My friend made me come. I don't want to be here. I don't like people. Fine. That's fine. But guess what? You need people. And God created you to have at least one person in your life that you were going to have community with. He created you for that. Regardless of your personality, you've got to submit to your creator over your feeling and your personality. He's created you for this. You need community. Every week, we're going to come in here. We're going to meet in this room. We're going to worship together. We're going to lift high the name of Jesus. There's going to be people that will take communion. There's going to be people that come and receive prayer from our prayer team or, or go to the crosses and write down a request. And, and all those things are great. And, and you're going to hear the word here. But the truth is this. God has designed you to continue to grow after you've committed to this moment. It shouldn't stop here. You need a small group. You need a small crowd of people. And here's the deal. I know some of you are like, look, I've tried to get involved with life groups and it just there's no way I can do it. I'm in a season with my job. It just it doesn't work. Okay, that's fine. God will provide a way for you to have community. And even if you can't go to one of the life groups that we have in our home, we're not saying if you're not in one of those life groups and you're missing it. No, the point is this. You work with someone. You've got a neighbor. You've got people that are around you you're spending time with. If you're in the military, I promise you, there is another brother or sister in Christ that are there that you can gather up with and grow in your relationship with Jesus wherever two or more are gathered. Just find them. But you have to have biblical community. You've got to have your small crowd. You've got to have people that you know and that know you that you're in covenant relationship with, that you're gonna laugh with, you're gonna learn with, you're gonna struggle with, but you're gonna be open with, you're gonna be vulnerable and honest. You need people to be unswervingly given to God and unbreakably given to each other with. You gotta have that. You gotta have that. And you're gonna have to have a really strong mindset on this. I need it and I'm not compromising on it. Today we got signups for life groups. So you can walk out of here. I know it's a little hot outside. I know it's a little sticky. You're just gonna have to put on your big girl pants, your big boy pants for a little bit. Please, please. I've seen some of y'all sit out in 100% humidity and 100 degrees and scream at your baby playing ball for three hours straight. Okay, come on now. Some of you men, you sit in a deer stand and grocery shop with a rifle for hours and hours and hours. You will get up in the freezing cold winter, 
go get wet in a lake to wait for a duck so you can shoot it. What's your priority? What are you committed to? What's the most important thing in your life? The question is not, do I want to be in a life group? The question is this, do I want to grow? Do I want to grow? Do I want to become the person that God created me to be or not? If you want to grow, God gave us a design and he also gave us a model to follow. In the Old Testament, one day, Jonathan, he was the son of Saul, he wanted to kind of prove his worth by fighting the Philistines. So he got his armor bearer and they left camp. They didn't tell anybody where they were going. They just left. And they found the Philistines. The Philistines had built this outpost on a cliff. It was very strategic. As we read through this scripture, I want you to watch for these two words, Bozes and Sena. 1 Samuel 14, 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other Sena. One cliff stood on the north toward Michmash, the other to the south towards Gibba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. This is the response. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. So to get up this cliff, one of the names, one of these names translated means thorny. And the other name means slippery. So Jonathan looks at his friend, this young armor bearer, and says, should we go through the thorns and get scratched up? Or should we go up the slippery side and get beat up? And sometimes, not if, when, you're going to go through some things. You're going to face some things in your life that are going to get ugly for a while. And there's not going to be a way to avoid it. But watch what this friend responded with. You choose, I am with you, heart and soul. And that is the kind of friend that all of us should have. Every one of us needs a friend with that kind of salt in their life. Like, I got you, dude. I got you. And now you may feel like you have that friend. And now look, I'm not just talking about a friend that when you get a flat tire, they're gonna help come and help you change it. It's great to have that friend. It's great to have those real friends in life that'll help you move when it's time to move. That's how you find out who your real friends are. It's great to have that. You gotta have it. What I'm talking about is way more than that kind of friend. It's way more than somebody that'll do a sassy post on your behalf in your defense. I'm talking about somebody when the, all the armies of hell are coming against you. They're gonna stand in the gap with you. They're gonna link arms with you. 
and said, Red Rover, Red Rover, come on over, enemy, but we're not breaking. We're not shaking. I'm going to stand in the gap with my friend. I don't care how ugly it gets, and I don't care how long it takes. I am committed. I'm in covenant, and I'm going to be uncompromising and standing in prayer, in the word, and reminding my friend who they are and who they belong to. According to the word of God, you're going to have to have community like that. That is what God has created you for. He's created you to have that kind of friend and he's created you to be that kind of friend for somebody else. That is his design. That's his will. And that's what we desperately want for you too. We desperately want that. We're living in a time when you are increasingly see very real needs for this type of friend, for this kind of community. But it takes work. It takes work. And what I'm asking, will you please just do the work that it takes to get you some friends like that? Will you please do the work that it takes? I promise you, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. The word says in Ephesians, it talks about how God is trying to create a place and he uses a building as the picture. And he says that each one of us are being formed into this, this brick, this rock that's going to fit together that creates a place where everyone can find their niche, where everyone can find their anointing, where everyone can find their gifting. And I believe that that's what God's trying to do. And I believe every one of us are one of those bricks that God is trying to bring together to create a church and a bride that is ready and that he wants to come back for. But the truth is, in order for you to be a part of that, you have to belong to Jesus. You have to be surrendered to him. He's gotta be your Lord. He's gotta be your savior. And there may be a few people here right now that you don't have an honest relationship with the Lord. And maybe you're here and you're just sick and tired. Maybe you're sick and tired of religion. Maybe you're sick and tired of, of the routine, of just doing it because that's what you've always done. That's what your mama and daddy did. That's what your, your grandparents did. You've just always gone to church, but you've never felt that there's anything real or sincere or honest about it. Or maybe you're completely disconnected from it altogether. Maybe you're trying this thing out because you know you've tried everything else to try to find fulfillment, to try to find joy and peace, and you haven't found it yet, so you're like, oh, maybe I'll just try this God thing. Maybe I'll, I'll try this church thing. I don't know what the context is, but I do know this. You are not here on accident. God loves you so much, so much. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And I wanna let you know that even if you've messed up in a way that you don't think can be forgiven, and maybe it was a long time ago or maybe it was yesterday. I want you to know that we serve a loving heavenly father that is infinitely better at forgiving than you will ever be at sinning. And his love, as deep as you feel like you might be in that pit of struggle, of addiction, of pain, of shame or whatever, his love will go deeper to scoop you out and rescue you. He's got that for you. You've just got to surrender to it. You just gotta come to him. That's, that's all it is. The truth is you can't be good enough. 
It's not because of what you can do. It's because of what Jesus already did. All you have to do is accept it. And if you're here today and you know in your heart the Spirit of God's been messing with you, like, yeah, I know I, I, don't, I, know I need a relationship with God and I don't have it. I'm just gonna ask you to be bold enough to admit it. Would you just be willing to admit it? I'm gonna ask you to do something as, as an act of your own free will and faith just to demonstrate I need Jesus and I admit it. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see you, look up at me. Raise your hand and look up at me. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. I need Jesus. I'm ready to call on him. Got you guys. Thank you guys. Yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to call on him as my Lord and Savior. I got you guys. Thanks for being bold. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I don't have a real relationship with him. I'm tired of playing games. I don't wanna, I just want him. I want him. I'm ready to surrender to him. I want him to have control. Anyone else? I've mentioned this before. I'm gonna mention it right now. Sometimes in this moment, I just feel some resistance. And and a lot of times, it, it, it's about different people. But this morning, I feel like there might be a man in this room right now. You know the Holy Spirit is telling you to raise your hand. But your pride is not letting you. And I think some of that pride may have to do with this. It may have to do with you think that, that if I see you raise your hand, that somehow I may not respect you as much. And I want you to know that that's a lie from the pit of hell because I know the word of God that in your weakness, his power is made perfect. So when you admit that you need Jesus and you call on him in your weakness, I will respect you more, not less. But I want you to know that man's opinion, including my own, does not matter. The only opinion that matters is your heavenly father and you responding and being obedient to who he's called you to be. So one more time, is there anybody else in this room that you know you need Jesus and you're ready to call on him? Put your hand up right now across this room. Got you, bro. I got you, dude. Praise God. All right. Christians are going to be praying during this, and I just want to lead you in a prayer. The word says if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth, okay, this, your relationship with God, you can make a decision personally, but your relationship with God was never meant to be private. Your relationship with God was meant to be public. And you need to tell people that you're a Christ follower. You can tell somebody as soon as this service is over. A great way to demonstrate you're gonna follow Jesus is through water baptism. That's that outward declaration of your faith. So as we're praying, maybe you wanna pray this prayer out loud, just loud enough for your own ears to hear it. Or maybe you're just gonna pray it to yourself. That's fine, but you need to tell somebody you made this commitment. But just pray something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. And I, I know that my sin separates me from you but I'm thankful that you came as a perfect sacrifice and you died on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. I thank you that you rose from the grave and when you did, you defeated death. You defeated my sin. Past, present, and future, I never again have to be captive or held down by the weight and the chains of sin. Thank you for saving me from that. I wanna walk in purpose and freedom in you. I wanna be devoted Help me, Father God, to create the habits that it takes to be close to you, to be led by your spirit, to be held by the conviction of your word. Help me to find my people, my group, that's gonna help love me and support me and challenge me and be there for me. I give my life to you. 
thank you for saving me, but I want you to have lordship of my life. Your way, not mine, for the rest of my life. Father God, thank you for doing that. Thank you for reaching those people. I pray that those seeds would find good soil and produce fruit. And I pray that you would help us by your spirit, by your word to come alongside of each of them. God, to be the church that'll help them grow into the fully devoted followers of Christ that you called them to be. Thank you, Father, for their lives. And thank you for this moment. And I pray that nothing that the, ever, that the enemy would ever try to form against them would steal this moment away from their hearts. That in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, from this day forward, they belong to your kingdom for your glory and for your purpose alone. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise in this place for all the people that made decisions for Jesus. Come on.